this is Tom Jacobs from tdjacobs.com, and I'm an evolutionary astrologer and an energy worker and a channel. And uh, I did repost around social media earlier today, uh, this morning when I got up, um, an MP3 here on SoundCloud from two years ago called On Mass Shootings. And it's just my thoughts about why these things happen. Uh, this MP3 today is going to be a brief look at the chart of uh, the man who shot all these people and then killed himself, uh, Stephen Paddock. Um, I'm also going to um, kind of preface my thoughts in a certain way, but but I want to encourage you to go back to listen to the MP3 on mass shootings. Uh, on my SoundCloud profile, I've put it back in the featured thing, so if you just go to my profile on SoundCloud, uh, Tom Jacobs Astrology, uh, it'll show up as the the top mp3 on the whole page. Anyway, I encourage you to listen to that. I think it's about a half an hour long. And um, when an event happens like this, uh, of course there's confusion, and there's sorrow and grief, and, uh, you know, the confusion is this inexplicable pain of how somebody could do something like this and why. And on uh, the news media the people who are engaged in that business will, you know, cycle through all of these different ways of understanding and trying to get details and trying to look at why and, oh, his father was a bank robber and on the most wanted list for the FBI for years and, oh, this happened and that happened and they're going to look for, of course they are, because they're trying to understand why. Well, these, th that kind of exploration is kind of the brain, the linear logical self, looking for some defect in this person that would make it make sense. Because if you understand what that defect is, then you can perhaps identify it in others or yourself, and then you can assure yourself, if it's not there, that you are safe, that you're not going to hurt people. The number of people affected by this, uh, the number of uh, people who are killed, and also the wounded, and then all of those, you know, uh, the families and friends and the people connected to those individuals, um, plus all the people affected by it because this mass shooting thing keeps happening, this is a large number of people. Um, you know, when, when something, you know, in Orlando, the Pulse nightclub happened, uh, I think that was the, that, that might have been, no, that, I don't know, there's so many of them, there's so many of them, I think the, the impetus to do that MP3 was the Oregon... Uh, somewhere in Oregon, the uh, community college uh, shooting, I think is what made me do that on mass shootings MP3 in the first place. And then I reposted it when Pulse happened. Anyway, um, we're seeing this more and more. Part of it is the ready availability of all kinds of crazy-ass weaponry. Um, part of it is that. But that's a secondary thing. The real thing is not knowing how to deal with emotions. So I'm going to talk about this guy's chart, Stephen Paddock. Um, the preface, and talk about emotions, and talk about what he may have been dealing with, we don't know anything, except his brother was on um, a camera for an interview with press, I guess outside the brother's house or something. He's one of the rare people who seems to have... Uh, just stepped outside his house and said, "Fine, I'll talk to you." <laughs> you know, when the, you know, when the family member does something terrible and and they swarm the houses of the family members, um, and he had no idea. You know, there's no, 
context, there's no preface, there's no warning sign, nothing like that. Anyway, um, uh, the preface here, so, so we don't know what he was dealing with. So one of the prefaces is, yeah, I'm just going to look at the chart from a um, perspective of an evolutionary astrologer, um, of somebody who's endeavoring to explain how people are wired and how effects in many lifetimes, how um, experiences affect us over many lifetimes, and how those experiences affect us emotionally, imprint us deeply emotionally, and then also we develop beliefs surrounding those. So the first preface is, we don't know about this guy, this is conjecture. Second preface is, I just happened to know this, this, this birth date of April 9th, 1953, and I've read a couple of places he's from Sun Valley, California. So that's the chart I've, I've drawn up, no birth time. So it's drawn up for 12 noon uh, as a hypothetical birth time in the software I use. Um, so I'm not using houses. I strongly encourage you to drop a chart with no birth time if you're going to follow along. Instead of making one for 6 a.m. or something or noon and having the houses in there. And that, that's confusing and will distract your mind from seeing kind of the core of what's going on. Um, yeah, so anyway... This might not, you know, it might turn out this date is wrong as well. So I'm just going to read the chart. This is kind of the part of the preface here. I'm going to read the chart, you know, given this this then talk about what the karmic journey is for this person. Now, the third thing to say as a preface is that um, when we when we hear about something like this happening and we feel afraid and upset and vulnerable and we get um, really upset. There is, there's an important note I want to offer you, which is, this is a person who has, who has done something that has created quite a lot of damage and, uh, and resulted in, uh, you know, a number of deaths as well as injuries. And yet this person is still a person. So the first reactions can be confusion and anger, perhaps even hatred toward um, the person who has done this, because we're so confused, we don't understand why somebody would do this. So we go to this place of creating this person to be an other, and we vilify that person, because we can't possibly understand why someone would do this. So the third thing here is to invite you to see this as a soul. The whole thing about my work is the soul's journey. And every single person is living a human life, living out human themes to explore what a soul needs to experience. And so it's very important if you want to do high-level spiritual work, if you want to advance and evolve your consciousness, it's very important that you deal with the, those first feelings of being shaken and being confused and not you know, being and wanting to even hate, perhaps, some of you, some of us. But it's very, very important to step back and also say, right, this tragedy has happened. This is how it affects those people and how it affects me. And let me do what I can to see this as a soul's journey affecting all involved. Because I promise you, I promise you, the soul's of all involved are in cahoots. And so we have to stretch our awareness, our openness to seeing that 
There are no accidental deaths. There are no mistakes. So from our human side, this is tragic, and it hurts a lot of people. And yet, one of the biggest growth launchers is for one human, you, me, to view a tragedy and to deal with the feelings and yet also to endeavor to do all we can to accept that there is a divine logic in place. And then the brain goes, well, tragedy, pain, senseless, murder, you know, um, young people, people who have dependence, ah, blah, blah. If you want to work on this, read the channeled books that I have put out from Ascended Master Jehudi. I would read them all in order. There are six of them. <laughs> um, Approaching Love is the first one. It's about karmic relationships and even our relationships with animals as pets and food um, and how to be self-loving. The second book is Understanding Loss and Death, which is, of course, a very important one in this topic. And he talks about, you know, somebody who provides for a family who passes away young, a, a tragic accident, an illness. He talks about loss and death and how to deal, how to understand why we don't deal and how to deal. Um, skipping ahead to the fifth book is Conscious Living, Conscious Dying, talking about tip, the typical human relationship with death through the patriarchy, through the last few thousand years, and how we live in a way that's shaped by the fear of death. How can we live more consciously so that we can die consciously? So, though I recommend you check out those channeled books, uh, Jehudi has quite a lot of information to help you uh, expand your awareness and see things from multiple angles. So you're not locked into indifference or your heart spilling out over the floor. There are many different modes to be in uh, as you evolve your consciousness from under, through understanding uh, the bigger picture of some of these things that happen. Okay, well, let's look at uh, this guy's uh, chart. And um, uh, the, f the first thing I noticed when I saw his age uh, was that transiting Pluto would have been close to his natal Chiron uh, recently. And um, if he were born in the first nine months of 1953, uh, if he were born in the last three months of 1952, as in if he were about to turn... Uh, 65, like very close to that, then it wouldn't be because of where Chiron was. Well, on April 9th, 1953, his natal Chiron is at 20 degrees Capricorn. So, um, so there we go. It's let me just pull up that chart because I have the progressions up here, the other one up here right now. Um, yeah, so Pluto has been approaching that, and and I was just thinking about um, Chiron is this wound. Um, to our sense of being able to take care of ourselves. And there's a lot of emotional stuff and sometimes a sense of being rejectable, like worthy of rejection when Chiron comes up. Uh, and Pluto, of course, can bring a sense of heaviness and darkness, uh, a sense of inevitability, a sense of not being able to deal with things, a sense of being overwhelmed by the intensity of certain feelings. So whenever Pluto transits something in your chart, that's up there. Well, Pluto is also square his sun, at 19 Aries. 
and so that sun is natally square the Chiron. So that is a big thing. There's a there's pressure on that. There's pressure on that. Um, I just want to mention a couple other things before I tell you what I think is the real story, what what I suspect may have really uh, been going on for this guy. Um, having shown, there, there are two symbols in the chart that I'm going to talk about, but having shown no uh, impulses to do things like this, not being unhinged, not, not expressing anger about politics or whatever, country music, <laughs> or people who have fun, you know, without... Um, you know, having expressed any of that before, um, you know, what what can we understand? Um, I do want to say that uh, Mars is square the nodes, so that's an important thing. Mars is at 14, a uh, Taurus, and uh, the node is at 9 Leo, so that's, that's a, a square about 5 degrees. Um, and whenever Mars is square the nodes, um, there's an issue with will and assertion, perhaps with violence. And so the kind of fourth or fifth caution I want to give you here, preface, note is when you look at a chart like this, it's very important not to make too many assumptions, but you have to if you want to understand something, right? So here I am studying this chart as I'm talking to you. But um, don't assume when you see Mars square the nodes that the person is violent. Just because now you have this case study of this guy who is. I have Mars square the nodes. I have an anger issue, but I'm not violent. Lots of people who have Mars square the nodes might be actually kind of timid. Uh, a lot of them might be um, over physical, either athletic or sexual. A lot of them might be uh, under uh, physical, you know, like not expressing that. There is like a need to find the right balance of expression regarding Mars. But we know that because Mars is square the nodes over the course of many lifetimes, this guy is trying to find the right way to express Mars. Now, this is in Taurus. Now, Taurus is a sign of being conservative and slowing down and perhaps not stirring the pot too much. So we can imagine that there may be some suppression of Mars energy that can eventually lead to, you know, boiling over. We can imagine that possibility here. Almost more importantly here is that Mars is conjunct Nessus at 15 degrees at Taurus, uh, 6 degrees from scoring the nodes. Uh, Nessus is the kind of broad headline I use is living in two worlds. It's kind of the subtitle to my teaching on Nessus. Living in two worlds. And the story is, uh, just briefly, uh, Nessus is a centaur, and he's, you know, I've talked about Chiron before. Chiron is not genetically related to the other centaurs, and so he's a little more civilized. He doesn't get himself into trouble. And um, he doesn't fit with them, pretty much, just because he's not carousing and rowdy and a drunkard. Um, well, Nessus is one of those guys. He is one of those centaurs. And uh, at a certain point, he branches off on his own. He goes to this river, and he sets himself up on the edge of the river in business as a ferryman. Because he can carry people across the river. When his, you know, the bottom part of his, his centaur body, the horse part, is submerged in water, he can carry someone across the river. So, so he says that the... Um, that the gods have given him a mandate to do this because he's respectable. And so he sets himself up, and he's doing this. He's making a, a living, apparently. And um, Heracles, or Hercules, comes by with his, um, with his, with his bride, Dianira, or Dianira. Um, I'm not sure how one, says, how one should say it. And um, 
Heracles hires Nessus to carry her across the river. And, sh and as he's doing so, Nessus, in certain versions of the story, it said he rapes her. That could be an advance. It could be a, a, a physical touch. It could be a lascivious look. Um, but he makes a move in some way. She makes a noise. Heracles turns around, sees what's happening, and fires off an arrow that happens to have poison on it and strikes Nessus. As Nessus is dying, uh, he tells Dianera to take his blood-soaked tunic as a charm to ensure that, that Heracles' affections will not stray. So if his affections seem to stray later, to use this thing. Um, and she does so, believing this, he dies. Years later, Heracles' affections seem to stray. She uses the tunic. He, she tells Heracles to wear it, and it kills him because it's got this poison on it. So um, lots of stuff in here. <laughs> lots of themes that I work with. I think there are seven main categories of themes uh, that I work with with uh, Nessus. I'm not going to go through all of them today. But I want to talk about this living in two worlds idea. So he's one of the wild centaurs, and he is he has an impulse control problem. But he is in business with civilized people. So he has to deal with his animal instincts and his urges, even though he lives in polite society, and this is inappropriate. So Nessus, the, the challenge of, or, or the path of managing your animal instincts and urges, the path of finding a way to honor how you're wired as a, an animal, who also lives in polite society, that path for him, that's square the notes. Conjunct Mars. So, athleticism, sexuality, wanting things, saying yes to something he likes and no to something he doesn't like, all of this with Nessus, this not sure how to do this in a middle ground way, this is square the nodes. Well, squares to the nodes say there's an unresolved issue and I don't know how to do this right. So I'm going to attempt to do what I think is right. So if he felt, if he felt suppressed, if he felt like he had to suppress himself, whatever it is, any kind of anger, any kind of frustration, anything like that, if he felt like he had to suppress it, eventually it's going to come out. Mars and Nessus square the nodes. You can't, you can't help it. If you suppress things, they fester, becomes distorted, it comes out in ways you would regret later. So there's that. Um, and of course, Mars and Nessus are also square Pluto. So when he does his Plutonian empowerment journey, Pluto and Leo, to um, have a voice and have an outlet to have his unique opinion shared, he will be squared by other people who are conservative in their value system or who are stubborn and not movable, uh, who either suppress or refuse to suppress their Mars energy. So it might be that he was never really Marsy, even though he's an Aries son. He might be that he was pretty even-keeled because he has experiences coming up against 
violence in others in many lifetimes. In his quest to express himself, Pluto and Leo, to be seen as a unique and special individual, somebody who's probably louder, who's more liked, this is all conjecture, but I'm just giving you what the story says it's possible. Um, he might have come up against other people who take attention away because they're louder or because they're more aggressive or more willing to act out and be dominant. Mars can also be kind of a dominant energy of that competition and fighting energy. Uh, Mars can also be bullying, so he can be squared by bullies even. Now, he's apparently an otherwise well-adjusted guy into his 60s, right? And then this event happens, so we don't know, like I said. But this is something in the chart. He would have experienced crap from Marsy people. And that's a square to Pluto. You get, you get criticism. You get shit. And Mars-Pluto squares can be about violence. Can be. Don't assume it is. But assu don't assume it is for any given person whose chart you see with his signature. But assume that over the course of many lifetimes, at some point, it is about that. And those memories are in the unconscious of that chart holder now. Even if that person has not experienced that a lot in this life. So, if the guy ever felt taken advantage of if he felt suppressed, if he felt like he couldn't live the life, if he felt like he couldn't live the life he wanted to live, that kind of suppression and boiling under the surface and then eventually an eruption could happen. Okay, now moving on to the next thing I want to tell you, the South Node's in Leo, and the ruler of it is Sun. So in the way that I do evolutionary astrology, the ruler of the South Node tells us about this individual's role in many lifetimes, how he keeps showing up. So the South Node talks about the kind of karmic contracts and karmic incubator, uh, the conditioning environments the person is born to in many lifetimes. And so the South Node talks about karma that is in common with the person and his or her family. Kind of like everybody's going to try to figure out how to deal with being this way. And they're going to have different ways of doing it, but the souls have agreed, like different approaches and methods between them. But the souls have agreed to model a certain kind of energy, then he's born into it, and there, it's modeled. He's imprinted with this idea that the world is like this. So then the third, that's the second step of the story of analysis. First is Pluto, then South Node, then the South Node ruler. And that is how he shows up in many lifetimes. And that's that ruler's son is in... Aries, conjunct Venus, as well as Juno. So, South Node ruler in Aries says, someone who needs to develop courage, needs to fight for something, needs to be bold and instinctive, someone who has something to fight for. But again, it's ruled by Mars, and Mars is square the nodes, so there's an unresolved issue and confusion about how to do Mars, how to say yes, please, and no, thank you, how to defend the self, how to take a stand, right? And Mars is square Pluto, so there's crap from Marsy people in certain lives, and he might not own Mars. So that that energy that he might not own is ruling his son, which is South Node Ruler. What I'm saying is he probably has to, at some point in many lifetimes, will find that he has to fight for something, but he may not want to fight. Part of it is Sun is conjunct Venus. That means that South Node Ruler is conjunct Venus. He shows up carrying Venus energy. This is creative. Um, this is 
wanting connection with other people, wanting to be liked, wanting to not make waves. It's almost like this whole confluence of Marsy energy and then the South Node ruler, you know, conjunct Venus. It's almost like an Aries person who kind of can't afford to be too Arian, to be too much of an Aries. And the other, another very important uh, detail uh, with this South Node ruler is the opposition, is it's a configuration. The opposition to Saturn and Neptune and Libra, oppositions to the South Node ruler, the third step of the story, say that in a bunch of lives, this person will confront or feel blocked or challenged by people and situations and dynamics uh, and even groups that represent the opposing energies. So Saturn and Neptune in Libra. Um, Saturn is authority figures. Neptune people might be out of touch, maybe out of touch authority figures who are in Libra, but behaving with Libra motivations, perhaps trying to get things to work more smoothly. But they're opposing him. So in the interest of things being smooth, they might tell him he has to stop doing what he's doing or, or needs to be quiet. So there's an opposition that says you can't be your Aries self because you're creating a problem. So think about many lifetimes of conditioning. That will make you also suppress anger issues or the desire to say yes, please, to what you like or no thank you to what you don't like. It's actually a grand cross. So I want to talk about these other things too in Capricorn and Cancer. Um, South Node Ruler is square Uranus and Cancer. And Uranus and Cancer is um, sudden change that changes family things and also affects you emotionally. So he in many lifetimes may actually be squared by situations. Squared means pressured and friction, pushed to change, push up, pushed up against by situations that are emotionally traumatic, and it can lead you to suppress emotions. You don't know how to deal with them. Added to that, South Node Ruler Sun is square Chiron, which is opposite Uranus. Chiron is about processing emotions. If you're familiar with my work, you've heard me talk about it as the, um, the energy antenna that we experience energy, and we actually respond as if musical instruments, and the output is emotion. So in other words, we are affected emotionally by uh, energetic stimulus or stimuli. When Chiron squares a South Node ruler, you don't know how to process that because you are, you are pressured or pushed off course in a certain way by people who are suffering, people who need things, people who don't know how to heal themselves, people who whine, people who never quite grow up and take responsibility for themselves. So he's opposed by authority figures who might be deluded, Saturn, Neptune, and Libra, who want him to be quiet. He's squared by Uranus in Cancer. Uh, this can be trauma. Squared by Chiron in Capricorn, uh, trying to stay away from people who are suffering because he doesn't know how to deal with it. Okay. So I want to just revisit this idea of Mars and Taurus square the nodes for a second. Uh, as I said, don't assume when you see anybody's Mars square the nodes that they are going to be a problem. But 
understand that a square to the node says, I'm trying to figure out the right way to do this, and I probably know really intimately four or five out of the, let's say, eight core things to know to create health and happiness. So I know those things. I'm going to rely on those habits, and I need to make new habits. So I might actually trip over my shoelaces by relying on my assumptions, those assumptions having been formed and, re and um, reinforced over many lifetimes because people, you know, your family is modeling for you how to do it. Again, it's square the south node. It's your whole family system that we're talking about. So the remedy is forthrightness, directness, telling the truth. It is in physical activity and moving energy out, physically, athletically, sexually, punching pillows, yelling. It's about moving energy. So in Taurus, it's really important to act according to your own value system and do what is essential. So we can imagine that he, as he needed to learn during this lifetime how to act, it's right action is what it is, Taurus. It's like, what's the right thing to do here? What ensures survival? What increases likelihood of success? Focusing on the basics. Um, but the confusion in the karmic field, which is to say about beliefs tied to emotions. Karma, I define this as beliefs attached to deep emotions, sometimes very traumatic ones. Um, he needs to learn right action, but for all these different reasons, probably over the course of many lifetimes, has suppressed Mars. So the other thing to mention is... Um, with a south node in Leo, it is very uh, common for a person to be born to a family where somebody else's ego dominates. This is not to create villains of the family members of people who might have this uh, nodal structure, but there is something big and loud, probably a person, it could be an ideal, uh, it could be an ethnicity, a heritage, a religion, a political tradition, you know, all of this myths are Democrats, you know, it could be something like that, or it could actually be a loud demanding parent or grandparent figure. It could actually be somebody who's not loud and demanding, but somebody around whom everybody orbits, like a family member with a disability or an injury or a chronic illness, but there's something that's orbited. Now, when that happens, <clears throat> everyone else in the family system has to figure out how to fit into this orbit or attempt to create his or her own sense of bigness to orbit. So some people with the South and Leo are gregarious, loud, joyful, cheerful, com comic types, like comedian types. Uh, some of them are more quiet and introspective. What I'm getting at is it's probable that someone else in the family when he was born was the loud figure around whom others orbited. It's very occasionally the person, him or herself. Like, like a Roman Polanski um, is, um, has a South London Leo, and he was described from being very, very young as the center of attention and domineering and all that stuff. And, and, and that's kind of, it's kind of rare for the person with the South London Leo to be the center of attention in this kind of obnoxious, jerky way. I'm assuming this guy wasn't, and so somebody else was. And what that does is it teaches you not to speak up. Or it's sometimes, over the course of many lifetimes, it can show you maybe you don't have the right to have a voice because somebody else's will dominates.
and the Pluto and Leo, though it's not conjunct, the Pluto and Leo, uh, I use 10 degrees of orb here for the, for the, for the conjunction of the nodes like this. And uh, node is at uh, 947, Pluto's at 2055, so they're not conjunct. But Pluto is also in Leo, so the most important thing for him to do was to leave a mark on the world. How ironic, he left a mark on the world. He's uh, the most famous person in the world right now, uh, at least in America. But the Pluto is retrograde, so he doesn't quite know how to do it. So he's born into a family where he's modeled misunderstandings about saying yes and no and speaking up and owning what you have to say. And then he's also modeled how to fit into the orbit of something or someone else. And then the Pluto itself is retrograde, so he doesn't quite know how to own his uniqueness. He doesn't know how to speak up. He might not know why he should believe in himself. Pluto retrograde in Leo can be, I'm not quite sure how to believe in myself or what's the point. Everybody's always talking and what they're doing is just trying to shove the, each other's opinions down their throats. Like, that's not, that's no fun. But anyway, um, I'm just trying to give you these elements of, um, you know, the multi-life journey that might affect, you know, I perceive that he was just under, everything was under wraps. Um, and then this hat, then, then he made these choices. What I want to get at is my suspicion with the south node in Aries, sorry, the south node ruler in Aries, opposing Saturn, Neptune, and Libra. I suspect that there's old past life, other life anger and resentment that gets that has been building up for him. And I suspect that in certain lifetimes, he might be a soldier who's not allowed to fight. Imagine if you show up with an Aries and you're opposed by Saturn, Neptune, and Libra. We don't do that. We don't get angry. We don't hurt each other. Just imagine being told you can't be an Aries figure. And see how that might mess you up. I mean, the opposition can be telling you to stop or actually blocking you and stopping you. It, it's possible. Um, yeah. And then on just another level... I just want to mention the two yods, which can be very difficult to deal with. Yods are also known as fingers of God. A yod is a finger of God. And it's when two planets that are sextile each other, each quincunx, which is a 150 degree aspect, it's a minor aspect, but they each quincunx another planet, and um, you see them... Um, you see them in the charts as these uh, dotted green lines, the quincunxes, right? And when you see them converge at one point, there's a quincunx there. So one is with the finger as Mercury in Pisces, uh, which is a sextile between Saturn and Pluto. Um, another one, there are actually three of them. Another one is the sextile between Mercury and Jupiter, Mercury in Pisces, Jupiter in Taurus, each quincunx is Saturn and Neptune in Libra. And the other one is Chiron and Pisces, Mercury and Neptune. Sorry, Mercury and, ne uh, Mercury and Pisces, Chiron and Capricorn, sorry. Each quincunx Pluto. And there can be the feeling that you can't escape the pressure that you have to do those things. Uh, don't assume when you see yods in people's charts that they're going to lose their shit, <laughs> get a bunch of guns and kill people. 
uh, don't assume that, but just understand that yods can feel like an unavoidable pressure. And there we have one of them involves a quincunx between Chiron and Pluto, which can be very challenging for how to deal with, you know, Pluto's retrograde in Leo. Do I get to have a voice? What does it take to get a voice? I need to leave a mark on the world. What, what is special about me? What is special about me? And so anyway, I think that the need to express that anger in a material manifest way came out. And I think, I think that's why he did it. That's my suspicion, if this chart is correct, if this is the right birth date. So, again, there are two levels that we have to, um, to look at everything in our lives through. There are two lenses through which we need to, to look. Because if you're going to grow and heal and evolve your consciousness, and one is the 3D events that happen, the facts. This is what happened. This is who was affected. This is how it affects me. This is the lingering effects. This is what, you know, that 3D material world truth. And the second one is looking at a higher picture that everybody's journeys unfold in ways that we don't always understand. There is a purpose. There must be a purpose. And I'm encouraging you to recognize, here's my little preachy moment, I'm going to encourage you to recognize the tendency in yourself perhaps, but certainly in some other people, to talk about evil and to talk about chaos and how we're not safe. And I want you to recognize that the way to get out of the need for external safety is to develop inner security. So you see this guy has done this thing. Like, how many, you know, bullets did he have to fire to wound 500 and kill over 50? Like, this is, you know, this is quite a thing. And, you know, in this, uh, you know, pleasure vacation land of Las Vegas, right? Right on the strip. So part of you wants to feel that you're not safe or wonder if you are safe. And, and parts of us will chase these external notions of safety and then the news happens again and something terrible happens. A tragedy is shooting, a plane crash, uh, uh, what's going on with American citizens who live in Puerto Rico after uh, Hurricane Maria, um, you know, the, the subpar response from jerky American government people who have no business being in charge of anything. These things that, that are tragic, that, 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 that display irresponsibility and lack of leadership, part of you and others may wonder if we're safe and be afraid about this wonder if the world is going to shit. The world is not going to shit. So instead of chasing an external notion of safety as if the world would tell you that you're safe, um, you need to develop a sense of inner security. So this guy made these choices. And I've, I've just spent the last you know 35 minutes or so telling you different ideas that might have inspired some of this stuff based in looking at his chart from a, an evolutionary, multi-life karmic angle, with a compassionate eye, you know, to looking at how people were shaped by real-world experiences. And he may have had a Mars Nessus freakout because he never learned how to do Mars in a healthy way and couldn't control his impulses and his feelings and anger and pain. Uh, and the need to leave a mark on the world, central to Pluto and Leo. 
um, which he certainly has. But um, you need to evaluate what choices you make that build inner security. What do you do in your life that causes you to trust yourself more? When you have resistance to change, are you aware of when it's just a challenge in the face of difficulty or something that doesn't work for you? So are, are you in touch with the parts of you who need to express anger and pain? Are you taking responsibility for the parts of you who aren't happy and aren't satisfied, who feel like you don't have a voice? So I'm encouraging you to take this as a cue, this external tragedy that is going to be talked about quite a lot uh, over the next few months, seemingly perhaps endlessly, because if you get stuck on fearing the worst because of an external event that happened, even if you know somebody who was affected or you hear, you keep seeing the tragic stories of so-and-so was a bank teller and on her honeymoon, even if you do all that stuff, and, and part of you wants to get sucked into the heart goes out to them, right? And into the tragedy. Because the media gets you to tune in by painting the picture of tragedy. That's what it does. It needs, it needs to do that. And then, of course, the need for memorials of the people who are actually affected, etc. If you get caught up in that, without being grounded and clear, without taking responsibility for how you're running your own life, you're just going to lose some energy. And you're going to lose a sense of strength giving strength to these outer events and the tragedies that, that may unfold. So get grounded. Call your energies back to you. Take care of yourself. If you need to, uh, limit your media exposure, but always look at it with compassion for both the person who shot all those people and all those people. Compassion for everybody. Recognizing that their souls are in cahoots. And if you have a problem understanding that, read my channeled books pronto. Yeah, and if you need some support, uh, there is a 13-minute free grounding meditation on my webpage at tdjacobs.com. Look for the green picture, and you can download it for free. There's a checkout process where you put in your email so it, it can actually be sent to you, uh, but it's free. Also, I do have energetically programmed crystals and stones that can help dramatically shift how the energy flows in your consciousness and in your body, opening things up so you can release things, release fears, feel more safe trust yourself more, get grounded. And there's also a lot of energy work MP3s on my site, uh, on the channeled audio page, that can help you clear out the debris of your own stuff, of other stuff, of the stuff you may have absorbed from the media. So all that stuff is at tdjacobs.com. Thank you for your time and energy. Uh, take care of yourself. 